welcome back to Match Volume. I'm your host, Emma Dessau, and I am so excited to be back. We took a few short weeks off to accommodate for finals and for graduating seniors. Congratulations to the class of 2020. But we are back for summer. We'll be bringing you content all summer long with incredible guests, and this week is no exception. Today we have Kim Wallish. Kim serves the city of San Jose as the deputy city manager and director of economic development. Kim has a graduate degree from Harvard in public policy, and she's spent her entire career honing in on the intersection of business and community. Today, we discussed an overview of economic development and urban planning, and the hard work and strategy that goes into building a community that serves all of its members. Her enthusiasm and sincere love for her community are contagious. I have the privilege of knowing Kim in my personal life as my next door neighbor, and she is absolutely as cool and as kind as she sounds on this podcast. So without further ado, this is my interview with Kim Wallish. Can you just start off by telling us uh, who you are and what you do? Sure. My name is Kim Wallish and I'm in public service. So I work for the city of San Jose and I am the deputy city manager and the director of economic development. How did you find your way into public policy and urban economic development? I was one of those people in college. I had so many different interests. I actually didn't declare a major till the end of my junior year because I was just exploring all sorts of different things. And I, I knew I was interested in business, but I didn't want to be in business. And I was interested in community, but I wasn't sure I wanted to be in the community. And I was kind of interested in the intersection of where those two things come together. And after um, college, I had a year-long fellowship in state government in Indianapolis, Indiana. And I learned there was this field called economic development, which is sort of where business and government and community come together. Uh, I got excited about that and ended up going to Harvard to the Kennedy School of Government and they offer a master's degree in public policy. So it took me a while, but I found that general area where I was intellectually interested in it and I thought I could really make a contribution. What does economic development look like in Silicon Valley and for San Jose? What's kind of the focus here? I'm sure it really varies city to city. Well, every, every community or every place, it really needs to have an economic engine, right? Something that is kind of driving the economy and creating opportunity. And of course, in Silicon Valley, we're lucky that we have tech as an economic engine that has continued to change and evolve over time, but it's really been a pretty stable driver of the economy in this area. So economic development is part about ensuring that that innovation economy stays strong, but then it's also, and this is often the harder part, ensuring that as many people as possible benefit from that economic strength. So how do you develop communities in a way that everybody can be part of the opportunity that is there? How do you have opportunities for small businesses and self-employment to succeed in an area where you have a lot of high earners and very highly educated people because of tech? And how do you become a place that welcomes newcomers but doesn't uh, create situations where the cost of living goes up that people that have lived here for a long time feel like they can't afford to stay here. So economic development is about creating opportunity for people 
Um, but at the end of the day, the way you create opportunity for people is also by creating a great place. So everything that we like about our community, the arts and the culture and the parks and the airport and the entertainment and the sports, all of that in a way is, is economic development. I love that you talked about the tensions between making it a really competitive place for businesses, but then also navigating the human factors of that. How, how do you or your department or just how do cities kind of navigate those tensions? What does that really look like in a strategy perspective? That's not easy. I mean, it, it can be, especially uh, when the economy was really, really strong pre-COVID, it had sort of worked itself up to be a source of tension, if you will, in the community. People concerned that San Jose has finally become a really attractive place. I mean, those of us that have worked to improve the downtown have worked for decades and it's finally happening. It's finally a really nice place. But there are people on the other side of that, like, well, it's getting so nice, maybe I don't belong there or I can't afford to live there, right? So there's, uh, there's an upside and a downside. So part of it is helping people understand mutuality and the opportunity and working very hard to create those opportunities. So for example, um, we have really terrific manufacturing jobs and construction and building trades jobs in this area that pay really, really well, like over $100,000 a year for yeah. people that don't have college degrees. And those companies can't find local people to work and can't afford to bring people in from the outside. So part of what we do is that workforce development, helping local young people, for example, understand that they can have a really incredible future in manufacturing in Silicon Valley. And it's not what you think it is. It's like a really great work environment, very innovative, very cool. Um, and then helping them get the, the training, maybe it's just community college or a couple classes or the internship so that they can get jobs um, that are quality jobs so that they can afford to live here and have a career path. How do you think cities can do better jobs of communicating with young people, maybe college students, maybe with internships, to kind of see these different opportunities within the city that they live? Well, I mentioned manufacturing, right? Because most people think all the manufacturing has gone overseas, right? And that's so not true. There's a ton of manufacturing in this area. So every year we have manufacturing week and we literally take high school students and we bring them into these uh, contract manufacturing firms that are figuring out how to produce all the cool products that these companies, big and small, are coming up with. Um, we have a program called San Jose Works that we've done for about five years now where we take high school students, uh, many of whom who are at risk, who don't come from families where they see really professional opportunities around them. And we provide them with a 10 week internship in the summer where we're putting them um, in banks and in IT firms and in city hall and providing them with support about what are the expectations in the professional workforce workplace and giving them support so they have a successful experience. So, you know, I really believe if you, you know, that phrase, if I can't see it, I can't be it. And we have a lot of young people in Silicon Valley who their life experiences may be quite narrow. They don't, they don't travel. They don't, might even travel around the region. They might spend a lot of time, you know, in their own neighborhood.
or their own part of town. So part of it are these exposure programs, internships and work experiences. I mean, for everybody, it's just, it's a great way to just try something on for a short period of time, see what you like about it, see what you don't like about it, and then, you know, move on. That's the only way you kind of figure out what you're interested in and the kind of work environment you really want to be in. I love the way that you see all of these different pieces of a city as we can all be contributing members to this community, no matter which part we play, they all really matter. And I think healthier cities are valuing all of the members, right? Yeah, I think especially in the downtown, like the last one of the coolest things the last six or seven years has been the rise of we call it the creative entrepreneurs. People that are like restaurants and coffee shops and the people around the San Jose Made Network. I mean, people, a lot of young people, people of all ages, really, that are starting small businesses or self-employed and they're making a living, but they're also making downtown a really cool place. I think of the, the adult, young adults down the street from us here who have the pedicab company, right? And that's like what they do. They've got a small army of pedicabs and they drive people around downtown and it, it adds something really special to the downtown scene or the whole craft cocktail scene that grew up here and coffee and you know that, that's all creative work and self-expression and it's entrepreneurship and business at the same time. Does being in such a flourishing area bring different challenges than smaller communities or just areas with less continual innovation? I think we take it for granted that we have this economic engine and so our problems tend to be about well how do we manage the growth and the opportunity and how do we make sure we kind of pace it in a way that we can absorb it and that as much of the community can benefit as possible and most of our job growth like 90 percent of it it comes from companies that are already here that are expanding or from starting new companies right like that's what we do here but as you look around other places in the US, including places like that I lived when I was younger in the Midwest or the East Coast, some of them really struggle to this day. Like I think about St. Louis, um, where my husband is from. They were maybe a once a great city that had an industry that was like their version of tech, but that the world changed and that went away and they just don't have anything that is a consistent driver of their economy. And so they really struggle, like how do we create jobs in the first place? How do we create companies? Or like Austin, you know, 15 years ago, they had all these big tech companies, but they didn't know how to get the startup thing going. So that's a different problem, right? And you see rural areas, where because they don't have a lot of companies, they spend a lot of time trying to get a company from another place to move in to their community and get something going. And that kind of attraction work, which sometimes ends up requiring financial incentives, is not something we have to do at all in San Jose or Silicon Valley. So economic development can mean very different things in different places. Going off of that, there's been a lot of news around Google coming to San Jose. So for those who don't know, Google is currently headquartered in a different part of Silicon Valley, but not specifically in San Jose. And it looks like they're going to be opening a huge, massive office space in San Jose. Do you want to talk about what your role did in negotiating that space with, with Google and what that process even looks like going on today? Yeah, so city planning 
often goes back for many years before something like Google even arrives on the scene. So I think it's important for people to know that part of community development is, is planning the city. And so for about a 10-year period leading up to 2014, the city had a community process and a planning process to envision what that Deardon Station area would be. And the Deardon Station area right now, it has the Caltrain station and it has, you know, light rail and some buses, right? But in the future, as BART comes around into downtown San Jose, BART will connect in Deardon Station, Caltrain will electrify, there'll be much more frequent Caltrain service, and then high-speed rail as it comes up from the Central Valley will connect to the Bay Area right in Deardon Station. So first of all, we've been planning for that station to be the largest intermodal transit station, not just in the Bay Area, but in the whole Western United States. When you add all that new service up, there'll be as many people passing through downtown San Jose Deardown Station as pass through the San Francisco International Airport every day. So wow. it is destined to be a major transportation hub. But right now, the area around the little station, which will at some point be like a major European style transit station, it's a bunch of surface parking lots and old industrial, right? So the, the community has always wanted it to develop. So a couple years ago, um, Google really became the first tech company in Silicon Valley to say, we want to intentionally locate right next to transit and right in the middle of a real city. You know, the model has been more like Apple or other Google campuses to be these campuses that are set apart from community and that are not on transit, right? And then they have to operate these bus services and, you know, do things that really don't make a lot of sense in the long run. So Google ended up purchasing property at the Deardon Station area, and they do not just want to do uh, office for Google. They really want to be part of extending our downtown um, westward into the Deardon Station area. So they are planning a, a large office complex of about 6 million square feet, which is a lot that could hold like maybe 20,000 Google employees. But the best part is they're also planning about 5,000 housing units including 25% of those are targeted to be affordable housing units and a lot of retail and restaurants and really great um, public spaces. So it's a mixed use development that will really feel like a continuation of our existing downtown and, and adding to it. So we're still in the negotiations process and reviewing all of their plans. So we're about a year away from approving it uh, and then they'll be built out probably over at least a 10-year period. Sounds amazing. You just pumped me up for it. I want to be around to see it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> what does it look like negotiating with a company like Google and their plans but also negotiating with the city's intentions for their community in mind as well. How do you kind of balance the push and the pull or is it really a unified effort um, between what Google's dreaming up and what the city might have been hoping for? Yeah, I mean, early on, you have to know that there's sort of general agreement about what you're trying to accomplish. So we, in the beginning, after about working together for a year and getting direction from our mayor and city council, 
and input from the community. We drafted a memorandum of understanding, which outlines our, sh our shared goals for this area. So that was really helpful. Um, and um, so it's really, we've had a huge amount of community engagement. Like you don't really make anything important happen in the community without getting a lot of input and meetings and online. Uh, we've had uh, public forums throughout San Jose, not just in the downtown where the development is. Uh, we've had forums in Spanish and forums in Vietnamese. We have a 30-some person station area advisory group that meets every several months and has for several years. So part of it is, is listening to the community, helping the community prioritize what they want. And in this case, the priorities are number one, affordable housing, Number two, support to prevent or address potential displacement of lower income residents. And third, those ladders of training and education and career opportunity for local people. So we're really clear that those are the three most important things. And then you have to work with Google to understand the economics of their project. And they have needs and they have things they need to meet. And you try to find those areas of overlap. Um, and because uh, and I think we're, we're definitely going to we're definitely going to get there because we're, we're clear what our big three priorities are. Yeah. One of the things I don't think we've touched on kind of about planning with San Jose and economic development with San Jose is that San Jose is a huge city. Um, it's diverse, like you mentioned, but it's also really sprawling, kind of like Los Angeles, certainly to a lesser degree. But it's not a city that's, you know, there's a little downtown neighborhood on the side. It's it spans for miles and has. Um, how many million people do we have here? Is it two? No, a little over a million people. A little over a million people. A million people in the county, and we're a little over a million people. Yeah. Right. When San Jose grew uh, geographically in the 1950s and 60s, it started out, it was only 17 square miles centered around the downtown. And then the city annexed all of these other cities, and it grew cities and undeveloped areas and neighborhoods. And it grew from 17 square miles to 177 square miles, like just like in a 20 years. And it really wanted to be like LA. It wanted to be the LA of the North. In 1978, people said, whoa, that's really not what we want to be. They approved uh, urban growth boundary and said no more growth out. And ever since we've been about, we have to grow up not out. So we're going to add a lot of people and a lot of workplaces, but it's all about densifying and becoming more urban and more transit oriented and building out the transit. So you're trying to re-engineer suburbia. I saw on your LinkedIn that you talked about creative problem solving coming up in your work a lot. What does that kind of look like day to day? There's sort of two skills that you have to have. One is problem solving, which to me is just like not being afraid to just enter into almost any situation. Just ask questions, figure it out. Know that you don't have to have all the answers, but that you work with other people. You ask other people what they think. You kind of create processes where people can come together and discuss things and then try to come to some solutions. So there's problem solving, but then there's also like opportunity identifying, right? Like where you see an opportunity 
to collaborate or bring people together and you come together around that, like the opportunity to create the downtown of our dreams, right? Or the public art program of our dreams. Um, and I think it's really good to do, um, to have both, both skills, like no matter what you do. We're just in the middle of dealing with the COVID emergency and it's like, it's one problem after another that you never thought you would have to, you know, figure out like all of a sudden, you know, our team has had to figure out how do we take the lead on feeding people across the whole county, right? And scaling up your little senior citizen meal program that you've been operating, but now you're scaling it up to feed people over a whole county in multiple sites for a long period of time in an emergency, right? So you get thrown these challenges that are uh, in city government that um, are pretty like, wow, yeah, that's important. Well, let's figure out how to do it. Absolutely. I think we're definitely sitting at a unique time and moment during this pandemic, and a lot has changed in the economic landscape for businesses and for individuals alike. How do you see economic development working best for people and businesses and communities, both short term and long term during this season? Part of it is we all always knew we were going to be heading into a recession shortly because we had experienced probably the longest economic expansion, you know, much longer than the normal one. Um, but we never thought we would kind of enter into it this way. So, I mean, our priorities right now are really supporting, number one, our most vulnerable populations. So the people that need food and shelter um, and, and income replacement. Um, so we've, we've done a lot of work both to raise money uh, and to make sure that residents know about unemployment insurance and programs that are out there and have the support that they need to apply for those. So first priority is, is vulnerable individuals uh, and including our, our homeless population. Um, and then second priority is small businesses. The small businesses are really much more vulnerable to not being able to bring their workers back or just surviving than the bigger businesses. So a matter of fact, just today we launched um, a fund. It's only for 140 businesses, but there are $10,000 grants available to companies that are small businesses, like five or fewer employees just to kind of help them and we're targeting the lower income areas of our city. So individuals, small businesses, and then our nonprofit sector, right? All the nonprofits experience all the same difficulties of any other employer and they're a really critical part of our, of our safety net and our quality of life here. So trying to provide support and resources to keep our nonprofits healthy. And then of course, keeping in touch with our our bigger companies and keeping construction going. So construction yeah. is a really important part of the economy. And you know, construction was on hold for about five weeks. And now that it's open, we just really want to make sure that all the housing projects, especially that are halfway through construction, are able to to finish, right? To keep people employed and get the housing built so that, because um, we have a housing crisis the same time now that we have a pandemic and a job crisis, the housing crisis will always be there. So it's really important to keep building housing and keep planning affordable housing. I wanted to hear 
what your dream or vision for the city of San Jose or specifically downtown is for the next 10 or 15 or 20 years, what would you hope to see then that isn't there now or that's slowly starting? I want downtown to just feel like it's everybody's neighborhood. Like everybody in all of San Jose and the surrounding region feels like it's this extraordinary place where they want to go, like especially to be outside in the public spaces, just enjoying being with each other. So that's a big part of it for me. Um, I want all those um, surface parking lots to have high rise housing and office and movie theaters to all be built out and fill it in so that there's a lot more people on the street, a lot more people living there, a lot more people working there. And then I want all the transit that we've been planned to actually happen. So I want BART to come from BART Berryessa, you know, under Santa Clara Street into downtown so that we can walk downtown. You and I can walk downtown and get on BART and go anywhere, go to Berkeley, go to San Francisco, people from those places um, can come here. Uh, and then, of course, the, for the Google mixed-use development to be built out and the other housing around the Deardon Station area, because that will almost double the size of our downtown. Our downtown is small, given how big of a city we are. So then we'll start having more um, critical mass. And I want the arts and entertainment and the artist community to really to remain and to flourish in and around the downtown. Mm, that's beautiful. You want it all. I love it. <laughs> and we can have it all. Yes. Whenever I drive by a little parking lot, I'm going to be like, Kim wants this built up. <laughs> I love that. So because we're a podcast through USC Zandenberg School for Communication and Journalism, a lot of our listeners are students who are figuring out uh, their careers and just what they're kind of going to be geared toward after school, whether it's more education or different jobs and careers. What have you enjoyed about working as a public servant for city government? What do you like most about working for the city? When I read the, the newspaper or I look on social media and I, I read about something that's happening in San Jose and I know I had a part in making that happen. Like I know the backstory to that. There's always an idea and then you have to work very hard to keep that idea alive, right? To actually go from an idea to implementation. When I made the transition into city government, I think especially this city government in San Jose, because my I fell in love with San Jose as a person living here. And I just, I saw all of the potential and saw that it could be realized. And the challenge of like working in one place and going deep and taking ideas and actually implementing them so that like then you read about it and there's a public announcement. It's really deeply satisfying because you know, you know you've really made a difference in shaping the place that you really care about. And, you know, I love to travel. I think I have a very global perspective. I love being, I was an international economic development consultant. So I worked all over the world and all over the US, but to go deep 
um, in the place where you live and that you care about is is really special. Like for me, I get a lot of psychic value out of that. My last question is one that we ask most of our guests on the podcast. What is one question that people should be asking themselves more often? How are you different than other people? I think especially like when you're younger, maybe I'm just talking for me, but maybe it's a universal thing. You're often you're trying hard to, to fit in and to be like everybody else and to search for commonality and affirmation. Um, and so it can be easy to kind of just sort of go along with ways of thinking or ideas about what your life should be like or who you should be or what's expected of you. And, and I think I've had this, I feel like I've had an amazing life um, and I've had really, really satisfying work, but it was a process of understanding like how actually I was different or I was unique in terms of things I was interested in or I was curious about or a path that I wanted to kind of compose and create for myself that has been, um, I would say, not a traditional path or not a traditional path from my family or most of my relatives or, or where I was from. And that was harder at times, but, but looking back, it, it's, it's, been, it's made me happy and, and satisfied and I've had a very kind of interesting life path. So I think especially if I was talking to people more at the start of their, their career, it's um, think about how your 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 gifts and your super super skills superpowers um, and who you are and what you want your life to be about um, is is unique to you kim thank you so much for just talking about your career and um your vision for the future for san jose it, it's so cool to hear hear it as your neighbor and as a resident here and as someone who loves the Bay Area. So thank you for coming on and talking about it. I think a lot of students are going to get so much from this conversation. Well, thank you for asking. I'm, I'm happy to share. Thank you, Kim. Have a great night. Thanks. You too. That was my interview with Kim Wallish. I hope that you enjoyed this interview. It definitely left me with a deeper appreciation for my hometown and really city planning and urban development in general. That's all we have for today. Make sure to subscribe as we have some awesome interviews coming your way all summer long and you won't want to miss out. Match Volume is a production by Annenberg Media through USC's Annenberg School for Communication and Journalism. I'm Emma Dessau. Thanks for joining us.